0: Okay, anybody have a question? Anybody have a question you'd like to ask this morning? Any questions? Nobody? No questions this morning? Okay. Um, All right, go to Luke chapter 12 then. Luke chapter 12, so <clears throat> this was a question that was, I think it was emailed to me, or I think it was emailed to me. Um, so let me kind of set up the question for you, okay? Why did Jesus come to the earth? That's a question, right? Why did Jesus come to the earth? Okay, to save the lost, right? Anybody else? Okay, to seek the lost sheep of Israel. Rob? Fulfill prophecy, okay. Set example. Okay, set an example, all right? Anybody else? Okay, so if Jesus came to save the lost, if Jesus came to set the example, to fulfill prophecy, um, all these different things, why then would Jesus say that he came to bring division? If he came to save and if he's coming to fulfill prophecy and these things, why would Jesus then say he's came to bring division, right? Because look here in Luke chapter 12, in verse number 49, he says, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straight till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? That's a question that he's asking. Suppose you that I'm come to give peace on earth? Nay, right? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So, if Jesus came to bring salvation, and if Jesus came to bring, um, you know, to fulfill prophecy and to set the example, then why is he saying that he came to bring division? Why would he say, I'm come to bring fire on the earth? Is the fire... (laughs) Is the fire the Holy Spirit? My chuckle before I asked the question should have given the answer away. <laughs> right? A lot of times people associate fire with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Fire and the baptism of the Spirit. The answer to that is no. The, the fire here is not referring to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So what does this mean when he says, I'm come to bring fire? He says, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? In other words, Jesus is saying the fire is basically already kindled, right? The fire's already started. You know what kindling is, right? You get a little kindling. That's what you use to make a fire, right? How many of you like making fires? I love fire. It's just like, I don't know what it is about. It's just like. Intoxicating, you know, it's like mesmerizing. You see that fire, and you're just like, it's got to be bigger, it's got to be bigger, right? I mean, you can't have a small fire, and you just throw the wood on, right? But it, it has to start small. Start small, you get little pieces of wood, little paper, whatever it is, you get that kindling, and you start it, but then you add the bigger logs and bigger logs, and so you've got. This big fire, right? So, what does he mean when he says, "I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I that already be kindled?" Miss Don. Okay. Well, it, it's almost, you, you kind of you have two things going at once there, kind of, right? Because um, you said it's kind of like, you know, talking about lukewarm Christians and not really. But at this time, I mean, think about it. Jesus is just teaching, right? There, we don't have the church yet, right? There aren't really many, what we would say, believers yet in following Jesus. I mean, he's still teaching. Now I, I do think the other aspect of what you're saying is there there weren't a lot of people that were obviously wanting to listen, right? Um what do we think? Miss Emily? Oh Jesus teaching have always brought conflict and conflict brings division. And so I mean of course there's always been conflict around, you know, surrounding Jesus. Right. Yes, yep, there's always, when we look, and we'll get to this here in a, little minute, in a minute, when you look at what Jesus taught, there's always uh, conflict in it, there's division, you know, and again, we'll, we'll see that in a minute. But what do, you, what do you think when he means here, I'm come to send fire on the earth? Brother Ron. Okay, I mean, yeah, you do have the Pharisees and the ones that they've been teaching the commandments of men, um, you know, instead of the commandments of God, and they've been mistreating people, you know, obviously there's no doubt about that. But is he just referring then to the religious people when he says, I'm come to send a fire on the earth? Why would he say, I'm come to send a fire on the earth if he's just talking about the Jews or religious people? Ms. Patty? Okay? this um, Paddy says it, referring to the ultimate judgment, right, and um, the ultimate judgment that God is going to bring. I thought I saw another hand over here. Brother Corey, you're going to say the same thing? Right. When we think about this, when he says, I'm going to send fire on the earth, this fire is referring to judgment, right? It's referring to judgment. God is going to bring judgment upon the earth, okay? And what does he say? He says, and what if it already is kindled, right? There's already, there's already a kindling of judgment, Okay, Um, why is why is God going to bring judgment upon the earth? Why is He going to bring judgment upon the earth? What's that? Okay, burn up the evil, purify the saints. Okay, but why is this judgment coming, Miss Terry? Okay, because a man's sin. run. Unbelief. Unbelief? Anybody else? Why is this judgment coming? You know, we always quote John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? Good verse. Great verse. But what do the verses after that say? For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Condemned already, right? The world is already condemned because of their rejection of God. They've rejected God. They want nothing to do with God. They want nothing to do with Jesus, right? And so there's already a rejection, and God is saying because of this rejection there is already a judgment that is being kindled. Okay? Yes, there is, it is because of sin. It is because all these different things. And yes, there is going to come a time when the world is, you know, God is going to bring fire upon the earth and, and purge it and things. But we have to understand it is because this rejection of God. Man has rejected God. Man has rejected uh, Jesus Christ, right? Um, I mean, again, think about it. What's, what is going on in Israel today? What's going on in Israel? War, War, right. There's war. But what really is going on in Israel today? Hate. Hate. Yeah, that's true. But why? Why is there hate? Why is there war? What's that? Well, it's because they're following two different gods, right? The Muslims are following Allah the Jews, they're saying they're following the God of the Bible, right? Um, God of the Bible, Old Testament. They, they don't believe that Jesus is God, right? Well, you find these two groups of people that are at war. And again, it's yes, it is about the land and all of that. There's, there's no doubt about it. But the ultimate reason is because of which God they follow, okay? The Jews do not follow Allah. They, they say that Allah is not God, right? The Muslims say that the Jews, the God of the Bible, is not God. It's a law that's God, okay? And so when you think about this, what he's saying, he says, I'm come to send fire on the earth, and what will I have already be kindled? God is going to bring judgment, right? And he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. How am I straight until it be accomplished? Obviously, he's talking about this, um, the crucifixion that's going to happen. There's something that he's going to have to do, okay? Okay. And then he says in verse 51, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. Now again, think about this. For the Jews, when they were looking for the Messiah, what were they looking for in a Messiah? What were they looking for in a Messiah? What? Well, more than just a king... A conqueror that would bring what? Peace. Peace. They're looking for someone who's going to bring peace, who's going to establish peace, right? That's what they're looking for in this coming Messiah, in this Savior that they're looking for, okay? I mean, you you go back through the Old Testament, you look at how... Uh, again, you have the Philistines and you have the Amalekites and you have the, the Babylonians and the Medio persians and the Greeks and the Romans and all these different uh, nations, right? Rising up against, against Israel. And so Israel is looking for someone who's going to bring them peace, right? They're saying, wait a minute, God, you promised that we we're going to have this land and you promised that we're going to have peace, Right? That is a promise of God, right? That they would be in the land, that they would have peace. And so what they're looking for in the Messiah is someone who's going to bring peace, okay? And so when Jesus has come and he is proclaiming himself to be Messiah, they are looking for one who's going to bring peace, okay? Now, there's two aspects of peace, though. Right? There's two aspects of peace okay? because what, what good is physical peace? What good is physical peace, the absence of war, all those different things, and then a person dies and spends eternity in the lake of fire? What was the purpose of peace then? It was kind of pointless, wasn't it, right? And so we have to remember there, there are two aspects of peace. When, when God is speaking of this deliverer, this Messiah that's coming who's going to bring peace, there are two aspects of peace. The most important aspect of peace is not physical peace. The most important aspect of peace is spiritual peace. That's the most important aspect, Right? Look, there's, there's nothing, I'm, I'm not against people that go and start orphanages, I'm not against people that go and start schools in third world countries and and dig wells and, and do all these different things, right? But when we were missionaries, that's not what we did. And people would look at us, well, how come you're not here digging wells or how come you're not here uh, starting schools and orphanages and things like this? Because what, and again, I'm not saying those things are wrong and those things can have a, they can have an avenue there, but what good is digging a well without the gospel. What good is starting a school and and having a school started and, and yet the people still die without Christ, right? And so that's why our main emphasis was preaching and teaching the gospel, helping people to come to know Christ as their Savior, right? Because Look, you can have everything that the world has to offer, right? Even Jesus gives us this example. You have the rich man that died and Lazarus, who was a beggar that died. Well, the rich man had everything. The Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. He was clothed with purple and fine linen. I mean, he had food. He had clothes. He had everything. He had a nice house. Everything that you could imagine this guy had. And he died. And what does the Bible say? He opened his eyes where? In hell. So what good did all of his riches and his clothes and his food and his house, what good did all of those things do him? Nothing. But yet the Bible says that Lazarus, who was a beggar, I mean, we're we're talking about a beggar that, I mean, had nothing, that was so debilitated in things that could not... I mean, it was so full of sores, the Bible says that the dogs would come and lick his sores. Look, that's just nasty, right? So when we physically look at these two guys, there's no doubt physically when we look at these two guys, we would want to be associated with the rich guy. We would not want to be associated with the beggar that is sitting at this gate in dirty rags that's got sores all over his body and is sick and the dogs are coming and licking his sores. We would definitely not want to be associated with that guy. Come on, be honest, right? And yet the Bible says that when Lazarus died, he opened his eyes in paradise, The rich man, the one that we would want to be associated with, gets to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Lazarus gets to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we look at the physical just like the Jews were doing, right? The Jews were saying, we're looking for someone who's going to bring us peace as a nation, Again, that is an aspect of the peace that Jesus Christ is going to bring, but that's not the most important aspect of peace. The most important aspect of peace is salvation through Christ. Why? Because we are enemies of God. We are alienated from God because of our sin. That's why he says, I, I think it is, is in Romans chapter 5, and verse number, number uh, Romans 8, 1 maybe, or Romans 5, 1, I can't remember right now. But he says, therefore, there's now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, right? There's no condemnation there because we're in Christ. Now, we are not condemned. Now, we we don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about these things, right? Because we are in Christ and we know the very moment that we die, just like uh, Lazarus did. And again, that Lazarus is different than the other Lazarus, okay? Don't get those two mixed up, right? But just like that Lazarus, man, when he died, immediately he's in the presence of the Lord. He's in paradise, right? Immediately. So the Jews are thinking, hey, we're looking for someone who's going to bring peace to our nation. And Jesus comes, and he's going to rock their world. And he's saying, I am the Messiah, but I'm not come to bring peace. Now that's to them that's like an oxymoron, right? You're going to be the Messiah but you're not going to bring peace, you're going to be the, the Messiah but you're going to bring division. This is what he says. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. He says there there's going to be division in him. Because of him there's going to be division, right? I mean, think about it. How many of the religious leaders of the day Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, Scribes, you know, any of these religious leaders of the day, how many of them, when Jesus showed up, I mean, they just, man, this is the guy. This is the one. Everybody, hey, don't listen to us anymore. Listen to this guy. How many of were like that? None. None of them were like that, Right? Even though, and this is what's so amazing about the the life of Christ, when you go through and you you follow his his life and his teaching and everything, and always they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trip him up, right? Uh, They're trying to make him look bad. They're trying to make him say something wrong. And he never does. He never says anything wrong. He never does anything wrong. In fact, time after time after time after time, it actually backfires on them, and they're the ones that look like the fools. The miracles that he's done, I mean, everything pointed at showing who he was. And yet, how many of them believed? Not many. That's what he's saying. He said, and I, I, I don't remember who it was that said it, but when you are going to follow Jesus Christ, it is going to bring Division. Because it goes against everything that the world stands for. It goes against religion. Religion is not for Jesus. Now, religion will use his name, but religion is not for Jesus. Right? The world is not for Jesus. Society is not for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus his, when you look at what he teaches and what he says, it goes against every single thing that religion and the world and society stands for. It goes totally against it. And then you have Jesus. Look, what does Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, what's going to happen? He tells you exactly what's going to happen. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided Three against two. Two against three. He said, this is going to cause division in homes. There's going to be division in homes. There's going to be children who will believe and the parents will not. And it's going to cause division. There's going to be parents who will believe and the children will not and it will cause division. There are going to be friends who believe and the other ones do not. And what does it do? It's going to cause division That There's going to be, even in immediate family, he talks about the the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law, the in-laws. There's going to be in-laws that will believe and others that won't. It's going to cause division. And so he's saying, look, is there going to come a time when Jesus Christ will establish peace on the earth? Is there going to come a time? Yes, there will, right? There will come a time when Jesus Christ will establish peace, Okay? But he said, that's not what I'm here for right now because that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is a spiritual peace. That's what I'm offering, this spiritual peace. And they wanted nothing to do with it. They rejected him. They wanted nothing to do with spiritual peace. They wanted physical peace. That's all they wanted was a physical peace. They wanted freedom from Rome, freedom from the Babylonians, freedom from all these other other nations. They, They wanted freedom, deliverance, right? But they did not want God. They did not want Jesus Christ to be their deliverer. And so this is why he says, look, there is going to be division. He says, it's not, I'm not bringing peace. Look, there, there are some of you here this morning, you have family members, and I, and I, hope, <laughs> I hope everyone here this morning knows Christ. Okay? I hope you do. I hope you know that Jesus is the only way, that there is no other way. It's not through religion. It's not through First Baptist Church or through a baptism or good works. It's only through Jesus Christ. So I hope, and I'm assuming, if I could say that, I'm assuming that everyone here this morning knows Christ as their Savior. I, I'm not definite of that. Okay. I mean, only you know your heart. I don't know your heart. I hope you are, but I can't say for sure. But I'm assuming that everybody here in the Sunday school hour would know Christ as their Savior. And there's no doubt in my mind that we could probably go family by family by family by family. And every one of us could probably point to people in our family that because of our faith in Christ, it has caused a division. Because of us believing that Jesus is the only way of salvation, that it has caused a division in our family. That us believing that Jesus is the only way, and, and when we put our faith and trust in him, look, we can never lose our salvation. You know what? That's, that's caused a division in our family somewhere. Every one of us can probably attest to that. Now, if not, if you're saying, no, everybody in my family is saved, and my, my parents are saved, and my great-grandparents are saved, and all my aunts and uncles are saved, and all my cousins are saved, praise God for that. That's great. Wonderful. I can't say that. I can't say that my mom and dad are saved. I mean, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Right? No, I have, I, I have cousins. I have aunts and uncles that, that are not saved. That causes a division, right? And, and this is what he's saying. there is When we choose to follow what Jesus says, it's not just going to be hunky-dory, It's not just going to be smooth sailing, right? I mean, even in our own families, let alone work and let alone friends and let alone all these other different things, he says, even in your own families, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be division that is there, right? Now, because there's division, does that mean we should not, well, I don't want to cause division, so I I better not say anything. Wait a minute, that's, Jesus came for division, right? Again, he's not trying to divide people. He's offering salvation to anyone. Salvation is offered to anyone who will receive it. But the division comes when there are those that receive it and those that reject it. The division comes when there are those that choose to follow what Jesus Christ says and those who reject what Jesus Christ says. That's where that division comes, right? And that's why he says, hey, there's going to be five in one house divided. Three against two, two against three the father against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother. He said, this division is going to happen. Yes, we understand Jesus came to bring salvation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, we understand that one day, one day, and the, even the Bible tells us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for the peace of Israel, right? We ought to be praying for Israel. We ought to be praying for all that's going on over there. What a, what a travesty is taking place. I mean, Um, I don't know if some of you may have saw this in the news. I I read an article where they were interrogating a a guy from Hamas, and he said, we treated them worse than animals would treat their own animals. That's pretty bad, right? say, where's the peace? There isn't peace. But yet, even in the midst of war and even in the midst of division and all these different things do you know that one who knows jesus christ as their savior can have peace we can have peace right look we can look at what's going on in the world today and we can say man it's horrible and and we don't know what's going to happen and all of that but you know what that doesn't have to disturb us that doesn't have to get us all worried and oh i don't know what's going to happen wait a minute we know who's in control Jesus Christ is in control. He hasn't lost his power. He hasn't lost his position. He, he knows exactly what's happening. And we can rest in peace knowing, hey, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but he does. He does know what's going to happen. And hey, I don't know how much longer we have on this earth. We don't know when Jesus Christ is going to come. But hey, if I know Christ is my Savior, I know if Jesus Christ comes, I don't have anything to worry about because I'm going to go with him. And if he doesn't come, and he tarries his come, and guess what? Hey, I'm still just going to trust him, and even through turmoil and through all these different things, I can still have peace because hey, it's not about this. Whether you have a, a well, or whether you have a hospital, or whether you have a job, or they, it's not about this because hey, what happens when that rich man died? He opened his eyes in hell. What happened when Lazarus, the beggar, died? He was in paradise. You see, that's where true peace comes from. Not from what we have or what we don't have, right? It comes from who we have, and that's Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the passage like this, you're like, wait a minute, I thought Jesus came to bring peace. No, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. He wants to bring peace to your life as far as spiritually. And yes, one day he is going to bring peace to Israel, right? But he said, when you follow me, And you listen to what I say. It's going to cause division. There's going to be families that are divided. There's going to be homes that are divided. Friends that are divided. Why? Because one person is going to choose to listen to what Jesus says and follow him, and another person isn't. And that does bring division, right? Anybody have a question or anything about this real quick? Yeah, Brother Joe. Isaiah fifty three. Which part are you talking about there? Well, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Obviously, the, uh, Psalms Psalms Isaiah 53 is no doubt referring to uh, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Christ, and what is going to happen to him. He's going to be rejected, despised, all of that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even you know, even Isaiah says, "Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" Um, Again, they didn't know who the Messiah was going to be, and that's what's funny when you look at um, when you look at all the different prophecies about the Messiah coming. They they kind of skipped what they wanted to skip. You know, they wanted to look at Psalms twenty four: the King is coming in great power and might. But the problem is they didn't want to read Psalms 22 and 23, right? So they, they focused on certain aspects of his coming, right? But like Psalm or Isaiah 3, um, he's despised, rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. You know, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. That's not what they want in a Messiah, they want the king coming in power, right? So they, they kind of pick and choose what they want to see in the Messiah, which is why even when, um, you know, when Jesus was born, I, I think it was kind of a shock to them that he was born in Bethlehem because Bethlehem was a, a, no, a nobody city. I mean, that's even what Micah says. Micah says you're like a, you're like a nobody, Right? Whereas this king, this Messiah that's coming, he's supposed to come in power and might and, you know, all these different things. Not from Bethlehem, a shepherd town, right? So, again, even they, as the Jews, kind of picked and chose what they wanted to believe about the coming of the Messiah. Even though, I mean, he fulfills scripture. And how many times does he say, this is a fulfillment of prophecy, this is a fulfillment of scripture, Right? but yet they, they chose to not believe it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most, most Israel today, most Jews do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still looking for the coming of the Messiah the first time, right? Because they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They rejected him totally. As a nation, they rejected him. There were some that did believe But as a nation, they rejected him. And that's why they're still looking for the coming Messiah to bring peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brother Corey, real quick. Oh, back in Luke? Yeah, Luke 40 or Luke 12, like that all through 42 through 48. Mm hmm. Right. Mm hmm. And mm-hmm. then, like the last part of that chapter, is the talking about seeing the clouds and knowing it's going to rain. Like, right. Yeah, they had signs that could, they could tell, but they refused to look at them. Yep. All right. We're going to have to stop there. You are dismissed.